0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was
1: good. The only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out, is the Church of Baseball.
0: White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball, the latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly, on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball, WLSAM 890. Well, welcome into to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. This is it. This is our last White Sox Weekly before we have actual baseball down there in Glendale, Arizona. Excited for it and excited for the show this afternoon. We've got plenty to do and uh, real stuff down in Arizona to talk about. Here's how you get in touch with the show. We've got some time for phone calls this afternoon. We've got a conversation coming up with Scott Merkin of MLB.com who is down there in Arizona and checking out everything that there is to be checked out. We will also speak with, well, Technically speaking I have already spoken with Carson Fulmer they're working out right now they're busy uh, during the show we can't get them on while they're on the mound I tried I asked Carson if he could just strap a cell phone to his to his face while he was pitching declined that request can't blame him uh, but we talked to him earlier this morning about what his spring and off season was like a couple of philosophical pitching questions as well so we'll talk with Carson Fulmer uh, a little bit after the 12:30 news as well it is a darn good conversation You want to stick around for that. But we've got plenty to get to uh, throughout the course of the afternoon, even without our guests. And, and of course, uh, we'll get you up to date with everything going on with the White Sox. Best news is this. Everyone is in Arizona. It sounds like everybody has reported. Jose Abreu a little tardy. His plane got delayed but is there. Uh, That's the good news. The bad news is, well, I suppose it's good news for those of us here in Chicago, is that it is warmer here in Chicago, 61 degrees right now, says my weather app. 60 degrees and rainy in Phoenix. I'm sure they'll survive down there in the Cactus League. Uh, but it is, it, it's is—it's quite a weekend. It's an interesting, fun little weekend to start out what is uh, what is the 2017 journey. You're really, at, When you look back through it, there's a couple of different start dates, whether it's the start of spring training baseball, which is coming up on the 25th, 26th, and 27th for the White Sox. And you can hear all of those games – Every single one of them, 25th, 26th, and 27th, right here on WLS AM 890. We'll do the full pre- and post-game show for the weekend games on the 25th and the 26th. Get you up to date. Of course, our next White Sox weekly uh, will be from Phoenix, from Glendale, I should say, on the 25th. It's the uh, White Sox and Dodgers, both of them playing in their home park there at Camelback Ranch. Uh, we'll get you up to date and a bunch of interviews and everything. As I'll be down there talking to a couple of people and players and coaches and whatnot bringing everything that we possibly can from spring training for the White Sox. Uh, so all three of those games will be on the station here. And then, of course, we'll bring you the other games throughout the course of spring training. But The other two, they're going to have full pre- and post-game efforts, uh, will be the 4th and 5th weekend games, of March 4th and 5th. And, of course, White Sox Weekly throughout spring training, your source, for information on your Chicago White Sox. But those are our, or that is rather our broadcast schedule, and we'll make sure you have it so that you can uh, you can get your White Sox filled when you're driving around. Now, let's be honest, if we got weather like this next weekend and the weekend after, I would imagine you're out about and doing things. And the best way to you know, consume baseball when you're doing that kind of thing, that's well, the radio. There's no way there's no real way around it. 312 591 8900 is the phone number here on the show. We want to talk a little White Sox, and there is some a uh, little bit of breaking news, some small roster movement here uh, in the last twelve hours or so for the White Sox. We'll bring you up to date on. We'll talk to Scott Merkin about what's been going down in spring, and, uh, and of course, as everyone reports, two spring training beat writers and players alike, conversations about what you were up to over the off season and, and exactly you know kind of the loose ends from the uh, from the season prior get tied up and kind of wrapped together into a. You know, a little more cogent kind of flow, I guess. So we'll we'll get you know, the latest for a, from a couple of different guys. Carlos Rodon has a different approach to spring that we'll talk to Scott Merkin about in a little bit. Uh, Tim Anderson has, and, and I've spoken about this a couple of times on White Sox Weekly because I, I find, other than all of the potential rookies that the White Sox could bring up to the major leagues at the start of this season or at different points during this season, you know, I'm talking about the guys acquired in the sale and Eaton trades other than you know the hype that's going to be around those guys as long as they're in big league camp, I, I kind of find the development of Tim Anderson, seeing what that guy does with the little bit of baseball he played in the big leagues last year, the struggles, the adjustments, the successes that were had kind of in that in that order, I, I, I found it really interesting to see exactly how he's changed, what kind of adaptations he's made. Because if you look through Tim's numbers throughout the minor leagues, there have been, and there's a lot of players like this. This is fairly typical for uh, a swing profile like Anderson has. He's hacky, hackish, likes to swing, doesn't walk a whole lot, um, but has some power, has a ridiculous amount of speed. And when he does make contact, which is, is fairly often, his contract rates are pretty decent, it's hard and good contact. So... Seeing what those kind of profiles do as they struggle, adapt, succeed, and then you go to the next level and you struggle, adapt, and then succeed as as Tim has, you know, that that kind of readjustment will be fun to watch, and I think the White Sox could have something real fun, or do rather have something real fun on their hands in Tim Anderson. Let's see, a couple other pieces of news and notes. Wanna throw this out to you. You can follow us on Twitter, as always, at C1 McKnight, C the number one McKnight. Uh, on Twitter, and you can toss your questions and thoughts to us to get at us uh, so that we can get to them here on White Sox Weekly throughout the week at that Twitter handle. We'll be throwing out stuff throughout the course of spring training and the regular season where you can get involved with the show here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, But I'll throw this out on Twitter, too, because I was John Dempsey in our newsroom, actually shot this article to me, and I'd have missed it otherwise. I don't know why. The New York Times, uh, a solid publication, actually put a piece out on the White Sox young pitching and its relation to velocity and just how hard they throw. Obviously, Michael Kopech being a big focal point for that certain aspect of, of pitching, for that velocity. Uh, but the article is is a fairly interesting one, and it talks a lot about the fastballs of guys like Kopech and Guys like Carson Fulmer and talking about Chris Sale and, and what he had done as a, as a starter last season, dialing the velocity back as a you know comprehensive effort with the White Sox coaching staff and sales ideas and pitching a little differently last season. I, I think it'll be interesting. One thing that, that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that doesn't necessarily involve the White Sox this season is just how Chris Sale chooses chooses to work this year with the Boston Red Sox. Is it going to be that dialed back kind of thing? Something to keep an eye on. Um, but that that article, and I'll tweet the link out, is a pretty good one, and it talks some about Lucas Giolito. And I, I suppose before we get to news of the day and whatnot, uh, a, a piece here as well. Our condolences to Lucas uh, and his family. His grandfather, Lucas's grandfather, passed away earlier this week. Warren Frost, who was, uh, an actor, um, and of some fame too. He start on uh, had pieces on Twin Peaks and Matlock, and was Susan Ross's grandfather on Seinfeld. Uh, our condolences to the Giolito family, well to the Frost family, I guess. Um, certainly a tough time there. Uh, Lucas has, of course, you'll likely know, he's used the Seinfeld uh, theme music as his warm-up music for most of his minor league career. I'm not sure if he did that with the Nationals. I'll have to ask him when he gets down there. But he'd used that uh, in the past, too. A couple other pieces of, uh, of news here. Reports out, White Sox have not yet confirmed it, but reports are out in a couple of them that the White Sox will sign, are set to sign, have signed Tyler Matzik. To a minor league deal. He's a 2009 first rounder, a left hander. Got a cup of coffee with the Rockies in 2014 and 2015. He worked primarily um, as a starter, but did get some relief work as well. Uh, he's a left hander, and uh, the, the White Sox are looking for a little bit of depth in the bullpen left handedly. Not a word, but we'll use it here anyway. They're looking for a little left-handed depth in that bullpen. Of course, Dan Jennings had a breakout season last year. Um, They could use, you know, some mix, a mix rather, for a second left-hander in that bullpen. Uh, A couple of non-roster invitees. I want to go over this list perhaps a little bit later in the show. A couple of names on there that are interesting. 19 players were invited to spring training. Um, It was just after the list, rather, came after, uh, toward the end of January, and I don't think we've gone over exactly who these guys are and what kind of chances they've got of, of breaking camp with the team, or maybe just kind of attaching themselves at some point throughout the season. A couple of names on here that are familiar to Sox fans, a couple of names on here that are familiar to uh, if, if you, I don't know if you've got a national League team, there's a couple of national league names in this list as well that you've probably glommed on to too. We're going to take a break real quick. Scott Merkin, just after the break, will join us and we'll talk about what's been going on in camp Scott Merkin of MLB.com is next. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Hitters have now reported to camp in Glendale, Arizona. So is Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Merck, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it as always. And I suppose we'll get it out of the way right away. Uh, congrats to the Wolverines on beating the number eleven ranked Wisconsin Badgers the other day.
1: Yeah, they they split the seasons here. They play, I think they played even better in Wisconsin when they lost the game. And I thought so. You guys didn't have Koenig and Michigan needed to win more than Wisconsin, but still, still a nice a nice win for the Wolverines.
0: Should be an interesting uh, Big Ten tournament. Look forward to watching some of it down there with you in Arizona. You've been seeing uh, you've been seeing some of the big guys, the big guns report for the White Sox and some of the things you've been writing about Carlos Rodon and his approach to spring this year. Has been uh, has been somewhat interesting. It's a I don't, you say slower. Is that the, is that the right way to term it? But you're there, Connor. You're yeah, I got a little bit, bit of wind in Arizona. I, I was asking about Carlos Rodon's approach to spring training and how the White Sox will uh, kind of change his workload this spring.
1: Yeah, you know they're going with a slower approach. You know he's got a uh, long spring training, much like everyone else. But you know they know the incremental innings increase he's had, and they're just trying to kind of save the you know, save the pitches for when they're really needed type of thing. And, you know, he hasn't really – well, he hasn't – he's thrown one one long toss, and that was yesterday, Friday morning. And aside from that, he's not even really throwing the ball to first base on PFP. So huh. they're taking a very slow approach for him. And it, it somewhat, it's somewhat akin to what they did with Chris Sale last year during spring training.
0: Is that – is this different than Carlos throwing um, – backing off velocity in starts in season? It, it, does this – have a conjunction to it or is this a is it a different setup
1: i think it's a different setup i think it's just more spring training you know spring training uh directed in that they you know with the extra week because of the world baseball classic Mm. and just you know what they would would have 149 147 his first year with the minor league thrown in and I think 165 last year. And I, you know, I think they're targeting for him over, over 200. Remember, this is a guy who is going to be with the White Sox. This is one of the, I guess if you had untouchables on the major league roster, it pretty much be him and Tim Anderson right now. Yeah. And they're just making sure that, you know, he's ready to go when, you know, the, when it counts the most, that they, they don't really care what his cactus league era is down here. And I think you're going to see him doing like what sale did in that maybe one or two cactus league starts, maybe three. And if people want to see him, they may want to get to the, the backfields here at Camelback Ranch and watch him, you know, on the minor league kind of controlled type of game where, you know, if you throw, you, you can throw all change-ups and, and one at bat without yeah. getting the ball knocked around the park type of thing, you know, or you can you can roll over an inning when you want after a certain amount or go longer if you want when you have those things. And it worked great for Sale last year. They did it with Sale, and he set a single season high for with him for inning pits and complete games.
0: I guess with Rodon, what I wonder about is exactly, you know, what kind of changes were made last season. I mean, the second half, he seemed to get some stuff together, and it it did seemingly correlate with having Omar Narvaez behind the plate. Is that going to be something we see? Because the catcher spot is a little bit uncertain for the White Sox at this point.
1: Yeah, I would think without even talking to people about it that you can make a pretty safe bet that Omar Narvaez is going to be the guy catching Carlos Rodon. They worked great together last year. I actually talked to Carlos a little bit yesterday about Narvaez, and they, they just seem to have good communication, really be in sync, and that's not taking anything away from, you know, Avila or Navarro or uh, Giovanni Soto, who's here now, or Kevin Smith, or Zach Collins, who's the catcher of the future, who I don't think has caught, uh, caught. Well, he hasn't caught Rodon because Rodon's only played catch one so far. Right. But I think it just, you know, it just it works. It, they just they form a good fit, you know, and it, the, whatever the game calling is for uh Omar Narvaez it it seems to be in sync with what Rodan wants and Rodan seems to be in in that sense a little like Burley and Sale and that he you know he puts a lot of trust in his catcher so it makes it important that those guys kind of fit as one so I I would think not so much a personal catcher I think it's going to be kind of a platoon with Soto and Narvaez as as I'm guessing right now but I think you could you can pretty much pencil in that Narvaez is going to start with Carlos on the mound
0: I, I'm sure you've asked the question or at least heard some chatter in Sox camp. Uh, there's one spot open on the 30, on the 40-man roster. Kevin Smith was uh, taken off the 40-man just last week. That leaves Omar Narvaez as, really, as the only catcher with major league experience. Is there, is there a wrinkle, a curveball? Matt Wieters is out there as a free agent. I, I, some Sox fans have said, go ahead, give him a sign and see if you can flip him or something like that down the line. Do you see sense in that?
1: You know, I've heard that mentioned quite a bit and I just, boy, I just don't see how that, it, depending on, I guess, what the contract is, but yeah. wow. I, I, you know, in, in talking to Rick, you know, when Rick talked the first day here and just a little bit after that, you know, he seemed to stress a lot that, you know, they like Narvaez, they like what they have and, you know, Soto and uh, the other options. Um, Gonzalez, I believe is the one that they, they're real high on as a pitch framer, Alfredo Gonzalez. Yeah. You know, Kevin Smith is still in camp. Uh, you know, there's some options there, and just like, you know, center field or, or DH, there are probably some options out there that you could probably get, you know, relatively cheaply. You know, maybe bring in a Pedro Alvarez purely as an example. And, again, I have no idea what a contract would cost for him, but, you know, they they want to give Matt Davidson a the shot there. They want to give Charlie Tilson a shot in center, and assuming he's, you know, healthy and ready to go, and they have Peter Borges already, you know, as a minor league guy in camp. So I, I, nothing surprises me completely, but I would be that would be a pretty big surprise because it, se- it would seem to – Couple of things it would seem to kind of go against the the rebuild philosophy. A and B, you know, having watched Scott Boris clients over the years, even guys who go well into March, he seems to get the years and money that they kind of want. So I, I would not think unless something changed completely on both ends. Again, not having talked to really ask the Sox directly about it, although you know the little I've heard is that there's not a fit there. But I, I would not having talked to Scott Boris about it either. I would think it would not be a
0: match. Scott Merkin, MLB.com here on White Sox Weekly for another minute or two. I, I know you guys talked to Brett Lurie today uh, about the injury that kind of ended his season and how somewhat nebulous it was. We talked about his tweets a couple of months ago. Boy, I can remember. What, I wish I could remember when it was. I think it was right around the winter meetings times. I think we talked about those tweets here on the show. Can you explain what Brett Laurie was talking about in terms of his injury last year? You know, it, he he said
1: – it, it, it's kind of almost a little technical to explain, but he said that last off season he had a little bit of, I guess it was back tightness, and when working out didn't work, didn't kind of cure it. And I know – back instability. And having my own back instability, among many other instabilities in my life, <laughs> I know that they do stress, you know, you, you try and work out and strengthen the muscles around it. That yeah. makes total sense. Yeah, And that's what I've done, you know, when I went to physical therapy. And that. So it didn't work for him. So he went to orthotics. He put orthotics in. And he said that kind of screwed up everything. Now, granted, it, it, it seemed to work for, you know, he played, what, 94 of the first 95 games, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah. And then, like you said, one day it just kind of exploded and, and they could not figure out. And finally he figured it out in, in uh, you know, sometime in October and he feels a lot better. He said he's gone through a lot of acupuncture, you know, a lot of um, deep tissue massage to kind of get back to this point. And even listening to him today, it didn't sound like he was exactly where he wanted to be. Now, he didn't say that, but you can kind of read between the lines of the sure. quote that it's still kind of an ongoing process. But it sounds like just the orthotics just threw everything off in terms of, you know, just the the biomechanics for his body, and that caused the what was originally diagnosed as a, a left hamstring tightness when he left that Tigers game in July, and I, I, you know, by the time the year was over, it kind of traveled to his behind his knee, and it was in his hip, and you know, and and he said he didn't know what it was. He said they had explored everything. He said he cut sugar out of his diet because he didn't feel right, which I guess never hurts anyone really, but. He said it ended up being the orthotics, and he said he hasn't had them back in since then, and he feels 100% better.
0: I think the White Sox beat should cut uh, sugar out of their diet this year, collectively. I, I think none of us would be hurt by that, that's for sure. <laughs> Merrick, um, you're, you're probably not looking at the 19 players, the list of 19 players, the White Sox invited to spring training, so I can help you out with some. 19 uh, is okay. a lot to remember. But are, is there anybody on that the non-roster invitees? I'll just list a couple of names here that have major league experience, but feel free to throw one in there that... That doesn't. Uh, you got a guy like Cody Ashy, Evereth Cabrera, Anthony Swarzak, Giovanni Soto, obviously, Matt Perk, Corey Lubke. Anybody on there that you think who's not Giovanni Soto, because we mentioned the catcher spot, and that, it's probably the likely thing to do, but is there any non roster that, that perks your interest a little bit here?
1: Well, it should be interesting because there's a, a few guys who could, you know, compete for like the 25th
0: man on the roster and then the last bullpen
1: spot or two. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a couple right there in Sworzak and Lukey. And let's not forget Peter Borges, who I, I would think is a pretty safe bet to make the team and probably, you know, split time with Charlie Tilson out in center field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they are 40 man's at 39 right now. So they'd have to do a little bit of adjusting. As you mentioned earlier in the interview, you know, they have to do a little bit of adjusting to get someone on there. But, yeah, I think Lukey an interesting case. sworzak has got majorly experience. I know Coop likes relievers with the major league experience yeah, yeah. Uh, you know but th- then there are some young guys who got a chance last year who are back who are on the 40 man who you know probably have their own side set like Tommy Canely and Michael and Noah you know to name a couple so you know Everett Cabrera is an interesting case for the last position player spot there but then you can look at the 40 man and say you got Carlos Sanchez and Liori Garcia who could you know fill that role too so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out I think they're all going to get plenty of opportunities with the extra Time down here. You know, games start a week from today, I believe, right? Yeah. The, the Sox yeah. open with a home and home series at the Dodgers and then go to uh, Sloan Park for the, I think it's so called Sloan Park, right? For the Cub Sox on that yeah. Monday. And, and we're off and running. So, yeah, I, I think there are, I think more people are focused on the non roster top prospects that were invited, you know, like a Zach Collins along those lines. And, but I, like you said, I think there are some veterans who could, you know, Cody Ashew was another one you mentioned who could. Force the issue a little bit and see, make the Sox maybe think a little bit of what they're going to do.
0: Oh, you mentioned Canely too. When, when Canely started throwing strikes, maybe like the last six weeks of the season, that was actually some pretty impressive stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, our, our, we have a, a great writer who covers Rockies, Thomas Harding, and he mentioned to me that his stuff is unreal. It's just the strike zone, you know? Yeah. And if he can get in the strike zone, he's a great guy to have, you know? And I think people remember him maybe more for situations that he probably shouldn't have been in, you know, like the end of that horrible Royals loss when they were up seven one in the ninth and I think he ended up getting the blown save yeah, right was he a rough was the ball last guy in the game. But I mean he you know he he's got some talent, yeah, there's no question. He pitched real well on the stretch and he's, you know, he's certainly right in the mix. I, th- I think if things stay as they are right now, you pretty much have what Robertson, Jennings, Patriska, Jones, and University of Michigan's own Zach Putnam <laughs> as the five who are who are locks. And then there's a lot of candidates for those last two spots, and a lot of pretty decent candidates you can have. And you know we're not even talking about Zach Birdie, who I'm guessing is going to start the season in the minors, but will be up. I would almost guarantee during the course of the 2017 season.
0: He's my bet for first uh, first rookie call-up. He's my bet for first that, rookie.
1: That's a up. good that's a good call on your part. I think I know some people, some national people, and and, and understandable, it, understandably, has said that they think Moncada could force the issue, mm-hmm. you know, out of spring training. But I think with three solid candidates that could take second base at the start of the season. in Laurie, Saladino, and Sanchez, that I think they're going to give Moncada a little bit of time. And I think he'll play in the big league level this year. I really do, but I think it'll be later in the season for him. So I think you're right about Birdie being the first one.
0: Merck, appreciate it as always. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days, man.
1: All right, Connor. Take it easy. Enjoy the warm weather. I think it's warmer in Chicago than it is here right
0: now. And not raining. It's really nice out. I'm going to go throw. What's that?
1: It stopped raining here, but I, I keep seeing all these Facebook peaches, uh, peaches. One more time. Pictures of beaches, which ended up being peaches uh, from my friends in Chicago. So I guess they're enjoying the warmth.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's it's gorgeous out here. Absolutely, I'll bring some with me. Excellent. Sounds good. All right. See you, Scott. All right, talk to you later, Connor. Bye. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, hanging out with us here. He is down there in Arizona, and I'll uh, I'll be there soon. Hopefully it'll be warmer there. Uh, we got we got to hit the news right now, but coming up after the news, it's Carson Fulmer of the Chicago White Sox on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. The 2017 Ballpark Pass goes on sale this Tuesday, February 21st at 10 a.m., for only $39, you can go to all 11 home games in April, excluding opening day. Plus, for limited time only, you can add opening day tickets to your pass for an additional $25. bucks. do not miss out on this incredible value at an unbeatable price. Visit WhiteSox.com slash pass for more information. White Sox pitcher Carson Fulmer joins us here from Glendale, Arizona. Thanks for coming on White Sox Weekly, Carson. Saw you at Sox Fest. Nice to catch up. Uh, how was your offseason? How has spring started? And how are you feeling down there in Glendale?
2: Yeah, uh, my offseason went great. Uh, I was actually in Seattle quite a bit with my fiancé. And I uh, was able to work out at uh, University of Washington. So that, that was nice. Um, That's a gorgeous team. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Oh, my God. I, uh, I really enjoyed uh Seattle and you know the neighboring cities but um then went down to Florida for a little bit to train before reporting here and um I feel great. I uh you know tried to work on a couple of things that I took from last year and uh feel great coming into spring training. Uh two bullpens down and we're going to face live hitters today. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens, but I uh, I feel really good on my end.
0: Have you checked the list of uh, which live hitters you're facing? Have, has the trash talk commenced? Have you started? No, uh... no, no.
2: I don't. I don't think they even tell us, you know. But there's uh, there's always a little bit of chatter, which is good.
0: Do but, you um, Do you know? I mean, is there a group from which you'll face? I'm just curious as to as to who's going to be staring down the barrel here this morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, I still don't even know that. I, I know what field I'm throwing on, and that's pretty much it. So they kind of uh, I wouldn't say keep it from us, but they uh, try to keep it pretty. Um, or keep us guessing for the most part.
0: So let me ask you this, Carson Fulmer here on White Sox Weekly. I I know that spring training has become something so different than what it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, guys are, you know, it's a year-round job now, and you stay in shape the entire season. I I wonder, though, like, when do you start mixing in off-speed stuff in your... Uh, in your off season or in your spring training, have you started to throw that curveball yet? And when does when do breaking balls kind of come into effect, or, or changeups for that matter too? I know that's a little different too.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously the main focus for us is fastball command. Uh, I know Coop talks about that a lot, mm-hmm. uh, being able to locate your fastball on both sides of the plate down. Um, so obviously when we throw bullpens or even play catch, you know our main focus is that and a changeup as well. You have to. It's such a really. It's such an important pitch for for us because of the you know the speed difference and being able to locate it as well um, so we really focus on doing that but uh, you know spinning breaking balls I, I threw a couple of cutters and uh, definitely spun a couple of breaking balls towards the end uh, of when I was in Florida mm-hmm. uh, right before I reported and really my my last two bullpens I haven't spun one breaking ball it's just being able to command my fastball, throw my changeup in the zone, and and I've done a couple of cutters because obviously you know you have to throw something because of, of game starting here soon. But uh, today I, I look to throw, uh, I look to throw a couple of breaking balls and, and kind of fill that out. But um, you know that that's for me. My breaking ball is a pitch that I like to throw and I feel really comfortable throwing it, so it, it's a pitch that I always focus on. But you know can kind of wait and and work on my other pitches. Um, for the meantime. So uh, it's a pitch you kind of just, you know, you you kind of uh, work into and and definitely uh, work on towards, you know, the beginning of games here soon.
0: So the New York Times uh, just the other day, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, a fantastic publication, had a little piece on most of the White Sox pitchers in your organization and focusing mostly on velocity. I mean, Kopech made some headlines because he throws, I don't know, like 122 or whatever the hell it is. I mean, that's (laughs) just... I mean, come on, you got to talk to that guy, uh, but but I wonder what you've you know. As we've learned more about pitching, as the White Sox have become this organization renowned for keeping guys healthy, what have what have you learned about velocity, about your own um, about your own craft, about your own arm, and and how to protect it? What velocity does to it, and how you can kind of look out for yourself throughout a
2: season? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've always kind of grown up in in an old school family um my my coaches have been really old school so i've i've grown up around long tossing and you know being able to throw the baseball every day some days you're not going to feel good some days you're going to feel great but being able to to maintain your stuff um, is really important and being able to get through games is really important because it helps your team and the pitching staff as a whole so um, I've always long tossed. Uh, I feel like that's, you know, knock on wood is, is what kept me healthy for such a long time. Um, and I'll always continue to long toss. It's very important to me. But, uh, if you look at guys like Giolito and Kopech and and the guys that throw hard they long toss and they're always throwing the baseball and and i feel like guys nowadays they kind of get away from it and you don't really have i'm not necessarily saying you have to go out and throw and throw and throw you know obviously some days are a lot lighter than than others but being able to to still get the baseball and still throw it uh every day even though you may not be feeling you know, 100%, it is important to to stay, you know, maintain and, and to stay healthy, um, at least, you know, from what I believe. And so, uh, and, and and to the other side of that too, velocity is, is obviously really important. Guys that throw hard have a ton of success, but, you know, being in the big leagues last year and, and seeing the approaches of, you know, the, the hitters that I was facing, velocity really doesn't matter too much because if you throw 102 or you throw – you know 82 you still have to locate your fastball and all your other pitches because you know if you still leave the ball up in the zone it's going to get hit so it was really eye-opening for me and and uh but like i said velocity is is really important it's something that you know as a pitcher you love to have but being able to locate that you know mid to upper 90s fastball is really important
0: when did you first break 90 do you remember
2: uh, I don't remember. Sometime in high school, uh, like I said, I I made a big jump through long toss, and my high school coach got me on that, and and I have uh, stuck to it ever since. So, um, it, it definitely uh, gets you ready, and and you know helps you get through ball games.
0: That's nuts. I, I had a, when I broke seventy five, I had a parade through the high school parking lot. I, <laughs> clearly, there's a difference between somebody who's good at this and somebody who just kind of hangs out and throws around. Do you? <laughs> Did you remember when, because you're known for your movement on a pretty hard fastball as it is, did Did you always have that kind of dance on your heater, or is that something that kind of evolved as well?
2: Yeah, um, you know, early on I was strictly just a four-seam guy. I really didn't feel too comfortable with my two-seam fastball, and then when I got into college, I, I had to mix it up. I had to throw... You know, a four seam, and then kind of throw a two seam off of it, just to just to change up the eye level and and uh, you know if, you know change up what the hitter's seeing. So I got to college, and my pitching coach really emphasized throwing the two seamer, and ended up being a really good pitch for me. So yeah. um, I've thrown it ever since, and especially with the big league baseball, those balls like to jump a little harder and more. So I uh, I love throwing my two seam fastball. I love throwing my four seam fastball. That's the fastball is my favorite pitch to throw and because of how important it is and you know how you have to locate it all the time to have success.
0: I, I was thinking about uh, w- talking to you this morning. No secret to White Sox weekly listeners. Obviously we're talking to Carson uh, early on in the morning this afternoon and while this show's airing you're you're hearing it a little delayed. He's got work to do. But I was thinking about your your growing up, your um your education in pitching. Vanderbilt and now, you know, the White Sox and Don Cooper. That's that's a pretty cool pedigree to have. I wonder, you know, we talk so much about learning from your coaches, learning from guys like Quintana or Carlos Rodon who have been through this. What what are you able to learn from your peers, guys who are at the same, you know, advancement level as as you are? Is there something you can take from guys like that?
2: Uh, one hundred percent. Um, you know, what makes our organization so special is the guys that are in it and the pitchers that are in it. For me, especially, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have Sale around last year. And, you know, with Quintana and Rodon, uh, as a young guy, you have to be around guys like that to be able to, you know, see what the routine is on and off the field. Um, Off the field is just as important as on the field, just getting yourself mentally prepared and and making sure that you do the necessary things in order to uh, get yourself ready to go out and pitch every five days or to pitch every day out of the bullpen. Um, You know, obviously – Being around Quintana and Rodon and Sale, they take you under their wing, and they, you know, want to take the time to show you what exactly it takes in order for you to have success in the big leagues. Um, You know, last year I was in the bullpen, so I was around, you know, uh, Nate Jones and uh, Robertson and and Jennings. You know, those guys are, you know, there's a reason why they are professionals, is because um, they prepare themselves, but. You know, for me, looking up to them, it was their willingness to you know have patience with me and really focus on you know making sure that I knew what it took for me to get ready for us to win a ball game so I uh, I really am, am fortunate to be around guys like this, and you know I'm really fortunate to to have another season around guys that I knew last year.
0: Talk with Carson Fulmer here on White Sox Weekly for another minute or two. Did you learn anything about how you like to learn, how you like to absorb information? I mean, I know when when guys hit the big leagues, they'll give you any number, any stat, any tendency that you want to have. Did something about your you know, the way you assimilate information about hitters change over the last, you know, nine months or so?
2: Uh, I mean, it has to. Um, You know, for me, when I I, – just to kind of give you a little background, I I just wanted to go to to college to help my parents out and get a scholarship to go to school. And and lucky enough, I was able to, you know, go to, in my opinion, the best school in the country uh, in Vanderbilt. And and Coach Corbin really – opened my eyes up to um, the humble side of things and then really, um, you know, looking at information and and really taking the time to have success that you want to have. So it definitely all started there. Uh, He's like my second dad. So he, uh, he definitely got me prepared, but when you get to the big leagues and you get into the minor leagues, you have to, I mean, this is your job. You have the job title of being a professional baseball player. And I take a lot of pride in that because you have to, you have to get into the field early Um, you have to do your homework, you have to do your studies and, and it's just like you would at any other job. You have to be prepared and, um, you know, they have every information as well as you know, um, they have every information that you need and it's all in your hands, but being able to to set time aside and get into the field early and really, you know, uh, study what your task is going to be is very important and, um. You know, I'm still in the learning process. I'm still learning, you know, how to, to get the information that I need. But I, I think the time will just, uh, you know, iron things out and, and get me even more prepared than I am right now.
0: Where is, Carson, I, I know the delivery went through a couple of changes last year, small tweaks, a little bit of here and there. Where Where is that at now? I know White Sox fans are wondering where um, or, or how the mechanics you're going to use at, in spring here are going to um, transfer into the regular season.
2: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously last year being in the big leagues was great. Um, there was a couple of little bumps in the road that, you know, as a young player, I'm glad I faced because it kind of, you know, uh, made me learn from, you know, failures that I had there, uh, being sent down to AAA, a, uh, I was around, fortunately, I was around, uh, our pitching coach, uh, Richard Dotson. And he, uh, he taught me a couple of things, you know, with the success that he had in the big leagues and his size, and and you know the struggles that you know he had early on. It, it was nice being around guys like that because they've been there and and you know they've had to change. And then all of a sudden he ends up winning, you know, over 20 games in the big leagues uh, in a year. So it's um you know I, I needed that. Obviously, being sent down from the big leagues is one thing, um, but you know. With me being who I am, I, I had to keep my head up, and I had to go to AAA because that was where I learned. I learned uh, to slow down a little bit, use my legs, and there was a couple of little minor things that I never even knew about, and you know, Dot was was able to help me with those. So I uh, I look at it as, as a really positive thing uh, coming into this year. Um, you know, I think I really have a good chance of of making a big impact on uh, on the big league team and and, uh, you know, helping us win games here moving forward.
0: I know White Sox fans feel the same way. Uh, a couple of quick-fire ones before we get you out of here. Ready? Of course. All right. Last season, you came up and juiced Albert Pujols in your first major league appearance. That's Congrats. That's really cool. No, thank you. However, you know, I know I have to imagine that you're facing Albert Pujols, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is Albert Pujols. It's Albert Pujols. Uh, guy coming up, you were most anxious to face.
2: Oh, man. I would say probably Miguel Cabrera. You know, growing up in Lakeland and and always being around Joker March Stadium and stadium where the Tigers play, uh, I've seen a lot of Miggy and I've seen a lot of the Tigers players. So um, even though I didn't have much success against them, I I still really enjoyed uh, facing guys that I've grown up. But, you know, Talking about Albert and and facing him, um, no matter if he has a ton of success or I have success against him, I'm always going to have that. Wow, this is uh, this is Albert Pools. You know, I always will have that feeling because you know he's one of the best hitters in the game.
0: Pitching idol growing up.
2: Oh man, uh, I would say you know I really you know people ask me all the time who's your favorite player or who you looked up to. I really didn't have anybody specific. Um I always had baseball on every night and everybody's different, so I was uh looking forward to to seeing uh everybody pitch. But uh you know, I, you know, I, I liked the the guys that had a really competitive nature, like the Clemens of the Worlds and you know you know, Mike Mussina and all those guys growing up. I uh at a young age I looked up to, you know, the fire and, and the competitiveness and the willing to, to win that those guys had.
0: Is there a guy on the White Sox roster you think you could absolutely smoke if you faced him but just haven't told him yet because you don't want to put him down like that?
2: <laughs> I would never say that, man. <laughs> I, just could, I could not do that. No, it's, uh, you know, like we said, we're facing live hitters today, and, you know, I think we have some of the best hitters in the game on our team, so it's going to be really beneficial for, for all of us pitchers in the clubhouse.
0: That is a diplomatic answer, sir. You have clearly learned about how to be a big leaguer. We'll no, talk when uh, I get down there next week. You can tell me in secret.
2: Yeah, sounds good. All right,
0: man. Carson, really appreciate it. Have a great workout today. We'll see you soon.
2: Yes, sir. Anytime.
0: I don't think Carson's actually going to tell me, but I'll ask him nonetheless. You can bid on unique memorabilia from some of your favorite White Sox players, including Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Carlton Fisk, Bo Jackson, Carlos Rodon, and more in weekly online auctions. All you have to do is visit com slash auctions. To start bidding, and you can join us in Glendale, Arizona for White Sox spring training. Single game tickets for the 2017 Cactus League season at Camelback Ranch are on sale right now. Tickets start at just $10 per game with special promotions throughout the season. To purchase tickets online, visit whitesox.com slash spring or camelbackranchbaseball.com. You can call also one 800 352 we got a quick break, and we will put a bow on it when we come back. You've got White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Last couple of minutes here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. WLS AM 890, the most popular way to follow White Sox baseball, is with the MLB.com at Bat App. It's the number one app. For live baseball. You can enjoy live look ins and highlights, game day scores, statcast, live radio broadcasts like ours here on WLS. And more. Get MLB.com at bat on your favorite devices now. We spoke with Scott Merkin earlier on in the show. He's down there in Arizona and taking a look at everything going on at spring training. In fact, he was uh, I think he was tweeting out a video of you on Mancata in the Cage Swinging a little bit just a few minutes ago. You can follow me on Twitter, at C1McKnight. I'm going to be down there in Arizona for the next two weeks. I'll leave Monday. Uh, you can check it out for, check out the Twitter handle, I mean, for all of our coverage there. We'll be writing stuff up and taking pictures and doing interviews. And, of course, bringing you White Sox Weekly from Glendale, Arizona uh, for the first two weeks of spring training. Our broadcasts start on the 25th of February. we are going to do that first one, 25th, 26th, and 27th. The Dodgers... The Angels, I think I always forget who that second one is. Yeah, uh, Dodgers. Oh, I'm sorry, Dodgers Rockies, and then it's the uh, the Cubs, 25th, 26th, and 27th. On the non-roster list, and we talked this uh, talked over this with Scott Merkin, and then talked to Carson Fulmer as well. Cody Ashey, Everth Cabrera are two guys who kind of jump out to me as, as potential. And Giovanni Soto, of course, although I think it's kind of, as it stands right now, I would be absolutely floored if Giovanni Soto wasn't on that roster as uh, one of the catchers for the White Sox when they break camp. But Cody Ashey and Everett Cabrera are some interesting guys, and, and we'll have to see what they look like in the next week and two. Uh, they're guys coming back and trying to make their name after being uh, impact players in Everett Cabrera's case, and... Cody of first round pick I'm, I'm sorry fourth round pick but a top prospect for the Phillies just a couple of years ago. We'll see if the White Sox took flyers on guys that uh, that can make an impact. You can join us for a fun season of White Sox baseball with your own customized pick 7 or pick 14 plan. Choose your favorite games and promotions, enjoy savings off the individual game ticket price. These plans are available right now, so secure your seats before individual tickets go on sale. For tickets or more information, visit whitesox.com/season tickets. Call 312-674-1000. Thanks to Scott Merkin. Thanks to Carson Fulmer. Thanks to Justin Basic, our producer here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks most of all to you for calling and tweeting and listening. We'll be back at it next week from Glendale. I'm Connor. Have a great week. Spring training starts on Saturday. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly. Presented by Miller Lite. The official weekly talk show covering all things White White Sox Sox Baseball. baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly. And listen to White Sox Baseball right here. WLS AM 890.